Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, you're off the hook this week. No questions. No question for you to start this podcast this week. Do you know why? Because we have a wonderful episode teed up for our listeners. Former Met, former Oakland Athletic, now retired relief pitcher Jerry Blevins. Jerry gave us so much time. This was great. Yes, and the the questions really ran the gamut in this one. Uh, everything from foreign substances to minor league unionization to uh, to mound visits, fun mound visits. Uh, we went across the board, and Jerry Jerry stuck with us for the complete game. Yes, so we asked Jerry nine questions. We went complete game with him. Uh, we are not going to do voicemails. We are not going to do three up, three down. I hope you all understand that this is a special occasion. We will not waste too much more time. But Alex, really quickly, before Jerry comes on, I saw that you were at Yankee Stadium this week rocking your, uh, your beautiful yellow Vita Blue A's jersey. Do you want to tell me about your experience before I tell you about my wonderful weekend at Petco Park? <laughs> Sure, yeah. I guess tee up my experience with your wonderful weekend at Petco Park. All right. I hope that your I experience was good. Although I heard that uh I heard that the A's maybe lost on a triple play. Uh yeah, they did. And actually if I can um That's uh, the most Alex way my to hand lose that game. Bit. I didn't even I didn't even realize it was a triple play until I left the stadium and was like checking Twitter. I was like, huh. You know, I'm sitting in the bleachers, which I mean, first of all, I had a, I'll say I had a lovely time. It was gorgeous weather. All the Yankees fans were, you know, obnoxious and overall pretty good sports. And yeah. like, you know, everyone, I always get a couple of Yankees fans who come up to me and are like, wow, wait, bold of you to uh, wear an A's jersey here. Like the MTA subworker was subway worker was like, "Hey man, I'm praying for you. I'm not, but like I am." And I was okay, like, what? "All right, what are we talking? What about What the here? fuck do you think is about to happen in here? Haven't these people watched like, Moneyball? Don't they know bros. that the Yankees win in the end? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Yankee Stadium, incredibly overrated ballpark. Not that great. However, bleachers, great time. If you're going to go to Yankee Stadium, go stay in the bleachers. True. Although you have to stay in the bleachers where you can actually see the whole field because, you know, a couple parts of there where you just have some blocked views. Yeah. Uh, All that that to say, I I really had no idea it was a triple play. I was like, oh, I thought there were zero outs, but I guess I was wrong. (laughs) Guess there was one out. Nice double play, guys. What are you going to do? How was the rest of your experience? What'd you eat? I've been so boring going back to the ballpark. So I was at City Field actually earlier this week as well on right, on monday baby. uh go mets let's go just mets. go mets they they uh they got that dub as they and do. as they as they are wont to do but uh but you know i stuck with the hot dog hot dogs and beer i was like i'm back i need to pay so much money for a bad beer like it's just the it's the thing i want to do more than anything else in the world right now is just spend 14 dollars on like water, you know, $14 on something I am not even going to feel. This is, ugh, return to normalcy. That's right, baby. Mm-hmm. Getting yeah, that credit back. card to work out. Yeah, uh, oh, seriously. How was Petco? <laughs> it was so good. It's just so good. I hope that a lot of our listeners have had the privilege of going to Petco. Um, it's, I don't know, man. It might be my favorite ballpark. Obviously, City Field. I love more because I love the Mets. And every time I'm at City Field, I get to watch my favorite baseball team just by default. Um, But in terms of ballpark experience, and honestly, in terms of crowd, the Padres fans are out here, man. Like, you you know, we were talking before the show and you were saying how much you love Petco. uh, And we were talking how I had been there before. And we've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times. But it was it was really different to see them in front of a full capacity crowd. because they just went to full capacity this past week as California has opened up as a state. Um, in front of a full capacity crowd on a weekend series, the team is amazing. The pitching matchups were not even anything to write home about, but I got to see Tatis in person for the first time in my life, and it is, it is something to withhold. He is a special, charismatic, electric, magnetic 
human being out on that field. I couldn't I could not take my eye off him the entire time. And um Hassan Kim hit the go-ahead home run in the ninth on Saturday when we were there. We when we went Friday and Saturday, um, and it was going absolutely wild for like a guy that is brand new to the team. You know, they're just they're a lot of fun. I I mean they're so, they're really great for baseball. And the fact that that fan base has something to really truly celebrate after decades of starkly having nothing to celebrate is pretty great. So okay. Although I had to watch so Chris, let me, Chris Paddock on Friday night, not, not not what you want. I really wish I got to see you, Darvish. All right, you. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into your like weird psyche, like hatred of Chris Paddock here on, live on the podcast. Who's like a fine pitcher, but you know, whatever, whatever, um, whatever, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We'll move past it. No, no, no jerseys versus jerseys here. Uh, all, all I want to say is I. Uh, what I'm hearing from you, Bobby, is that the Padres went out attempted and succeeded in making themselves a better baseball team by going and pursuing um, players who are good at what they do, who are enjoyable to watch. And the result has been a fan base that absolutely shows the fuck up for them. Is that, is that what I'm, is that what I'm hearing? That there's like some correlation there between an attempt of, of winning and how it's received by the, the, the members of your city. It's almost like this shit is easy, Alex. Hmm. Wow. It's almost like offering Manny Machado $300 million to come play out the rest of his career is actually a very easy decision to make because he rules as a baseball player and as a person. Damn. You, me, and AJ Preller, baby. That's (laughs) the, the, the real brain geniuses i did see someone wearing an aj preller jersey like a custom preller jersey it said preller 21 on the back i don't know if that was aj preller's son i don't know if that was aj preller's cousin nephew Mm. i don't know but he was wearing a custom aj preller jersey i wanted to tap him on the shoulder and be like bro come on you have you have fernando tatis just wear that one Sir, they don't sell boots for your licking here. I think you'll have to go down the street. I really hope he's not a listener of the podcast. Uh, maybe that was just his last name. You know, we could leave all possibilities open. That's all I have to say. Uh, if you have the uh, the means, the ability, you are close enough to get there, please check out Petco Park. That is my PSA for the weekend. We are going to talk to Jerry Blevins. We're going to do the complete game, nine full questions, running the gamut with him. But before we do, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basley. You are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, we are now joined by Jerry Plevins, a former member of both of Alex and I's favorite baseball teams. That makes you the first person to have played on both of our favorite baseball teams to ever appear on Tipping Pitches. Jerry, thanks so much for being here, man. Well, my pleasure. Alex, who's your, who's your favorite team? I know Bobby's a huge Mets fan. So, I am uh, I'm an Oakland A's guy. Oh, yes. actually, you can gosh. see the little. I got the Vita Blue jersey back over there. I love so. it. First of all, the, those are my two teams. My heart is in two places: Oakland and and Queens. So those are my my two big loves. And Vita Blue, you've got taste, man. <laughs> he still comes around. Uh, I, I've seen him a few times. I've met him quite a bit. Between him and Blue Moon Odom, those two guys are like. My two major influences uh, that 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 come around quite often. So I, I'm impressed. I like this. This is a good start. But here we yeah, go, boys. Seriously, I'm not not that we're calling out Sean Doolittle for not having played for the Mets yet. No, but I like, am calling him kind out of for that. Are. He had a chance. He was a free agent last offseason. Come on. So, well, I'll tell you what. He chose the great state of Ohio, which I can't be upset with. But um, I, I love Sean Doolittle. He is one of my favorite humans on the planet. Not to mention a badass baseball player. Yeah, exactly. uh, him and his his wife both are are two great people that would be great additions to any team. So uh, I would want them on my favorite team as well. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, Jerry, you are recently retired from the game of Major League Baseball. I wanted to ask you about that. How are you feeling? How's it going? How's retirement treating you? It's so it's so good, man. Like I, I've been so blessed and. I love playing. I really did. I, I love my life. I dedicated, you know, basically every waking hour, even most of my my sleeping hours to baseball. Um, I still love it. I'm a fan forever. 
I'm just enjoying like my body, my, my mind, anxiety, everything like that I enjoyed about the game. I'm so happy to be able to like, just take a deep breath and be on the other side of it. Uh, I've got two young boys now, my wife, my, my nieces and nephews, my brother, my mom, all these people that I've neglected over the years, just because of my dedication to baseball, I'm able to, to be around more often. Like tomorrow is my brother's birthday and we're going golfing. Like I've never been able to be around before. So these are the perks of, of being retired. So I love the game. I'm super happy. I follow it. I, I watch all the time, but I can also, you know, enjoy a round of golf on occasion. It's all that little stuff that like you don't think about as a regular old worker in society where, you know, if your birthday, for example, is just during the baseball season, you just never get to have a normal birthday. Like I'm looking right here at your baseball <laughs> reference page. Your birthday is September 6th. You probably haven't had a normal birthday in over a decade. This was, this is, I'll give you a quick story if you don't mind. Like, so my best friend since fifth grade, um, Andy Knoll. So when, when I went to Dayton, him and I roomed together on the, like, we both tried out for the University of Dayton baseball program together. He's my best friend still. When it was his wedding. I was in minor league baseball with the Chicago Cubs at the time, 2007. His wedding's coming up. I'm the best man in his wedding. I get traded from the Cubs to the A's. I had permission to be there with the Cubs. I get traded to the A's. And I'm like, hey, I just got to you know double check with these guys in August that I'm okay to go to your wedding. Uh, they said no. <laughs> and so Yikes. they were like, hey, we have plans for you. This is good for your career. Uh, um, but you can't go. And I was like, thank you. And also I can't wait to break my best friend's heart. Like, uh, uh, so he had to like find a best man on the fly, that kind of stuff. But th this is what, what friends understand is like, we get it, man. You don't have a nine to five. You can't just like call in sick and be like, Hey, play hooky because they're like, Hey, we have doctors here. Come to the field. If you're sick, we'll yeah. prove it. So, yeah. Uh, I loved it. It's fun. And also now I get to golf with my brother. So there's, there's, there's pluses on both sides. What is, uh, what's harder, um, being a major league relief pitcher or a father of two, a major league reliever, like hands down, <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> fatherhood's awesome and it's really hard and, and difficult, but it's like, you know, you do what you have to do. There, there's nothing like if I had to change a diaper in front of 45,000 streaming Mets fans at the same time, or I'm at the yeah, Coliseum and if I don't change this diaper, right, everybody goes home angry at me. Like that's different. You know what I mean? Uh, there's being a father is, is much harder in different ways, but as far as being on the big stage, there's no, there's nothing like baseball. It's a similar requirement to avoid messes in both situations. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, My whole job was to clean up those messes on both ends. It was like, all right, I'll do that in my 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 work life and now my my home life. So, and I'm good at both. And I got I got to admit, I, I got paid for one. The other one, I you know, I get some thanks here and there. <laughs> and hopefully, yes, hopefully your wife isn't keeping track of all the um all the blown saves, so to speak. Uh, the, the, the blown the blown dinners. I wonder what, dinners my, I wonder what my, my war is at home. <laughs> my FIP. We'll see. She. Uh, I don't know. She's she's like I left her for for this podcast, so I think I might be getting some deduction. But we're yeah. gonna be dinged. Yeah. Yeah. Some win probability taken away here by appearing here on Tipping Pitches. <laughs> That's um, right. Well, Jerry, we've prepared a list of nine questions for you. We're going to go a complete game with you, which you never got the chance to do in your major league career, but we're going to try to do it here. I, I love it. I'm ready. I feel prepared. Uh, some easier than others. We'll start you off with, with some easy, uh, quick hitters. Uh, a child's first favorite baseball player is a very important person in their life. Who was your first favorite baseball player as a fan? My first favorite baseball player was Jose Canseco. Um, so my brother is four years older than me. Um, uh, like, a, like I loved him. I idolized him. I still do. Uh, but when you're four years older than your younger, your younger brother, sometimes it's like a get away from me. You're annoying me. So yeah. in the 90 world series, I'm seven years old. You know, he's cool. 11. He's a huge Reds fan still is to this day. And he's like picking on me during the world series. I'm like, I want you're, you're running for the Reds. I want the team with the long hair and the mustaches and the big muscles. Nice. Um, like, like it happened all the time. He had the upper hand on that one and they swept the, the A's, but I've been forever an A's fan. 
and I that. got to play with him. So the the yeah, Jose Canseco was my first favorite player. You have any like favorite mem- memorabilia of his? You know, like some people like have a baseball card or something or a jersey. I I don't. I don't have anything from him. I am. I've met him a couple of times through A stuff, but um, I I don't have any. I'm not a big memorabilia guy. Um, my favorite player of all time is like Ken Griffey Jr. So I, I had a sign ball from him, stuff like that. But um, I've got nothing from Jose. Besides meeting him a couple times because you, well, know, you yeah, both played no for the same baseball there's team. No- so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know he, he came around. I think he did their post game for a little bit. Um, I don't think that worked out for either parties, but um, he was nice to me. So, you know, if, if it goes, if you base your, your judgment on, on how he, a person is to you, he was, he was great to me. So. Plus, you've both had illustrious post-playing Twitter careers since then. <laughs> <laughs> Yours in a very his... much more understated way than his, but still illustrious. <laughs> That's very well put. I think understated is is the the, the key word there. His is <laughs> he's not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Uh, I'm not either, but he's definitely, I think, maybe seeking it a little bit more than I am. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um as a uh as a as a fan in the in the stands watching mound visits, I'm sure every single fan has wondered what the hell are they talking about out there. Um, I am I'm curious what what the least baseball related conversation you've had out uh, during a mound visit was, whether it was a catcher, <laughs> or a manager, or a shortstop just coming in to tell you that your your butt looks good. The- <laughs> So there, like as a relief pitcher, especially one that, you know, the majority of my career, especially the end, uh, was a lefty specialist. So I'm out there to get maybe one, two guys. If you come out to visit me, chances are you're just like, hey, I'm just buying time for the guy behind you to get warmed up because you've been so bad at your job that we need somebody else to come in and mop it up. So that's <laughs> usually what I get. But there's there's a lot of fun that goes involved in that, too. And so um I've told this story before, too, uh, but Dan Worthen, the longtime Mets pitching coach, one of the best human beings on the planet, funny, like relatable, gets the game, smart, just a great person. The guy we have out, to thank for the 95-mile-per-hour Jacob DeGrom slider, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, there's genetics and hard work, and then there's Dan Worthen. I exactly. think those are the three. <laughs> but Dan, Dan comes out to me. I think we're in D.C. someday, and, and like – I get an out. I've got like, I came in, I think a clean inning. I don't remember the circumstances. I just remember the the instance. He comes out like two outs and he, he starts jogging out and like Darno's catching and Darno goes like, what's going on? So he like takes his mask off and jogs out and Dan comes out. And I'm like looking at Dan. I'm like, Dan, what, what the hell are you doing out here? Like I'm, I'm doing great. And he goes, Blev, just to be honest, I just got this new haircut. I'm looking damn good. I just want to make sure my <laughs> wife sees me on TV today. And he turns around and jogs uh, off. And Darno and I are looking at each other and we just start laughing. Baseball's crazy, man. He got it was a good haircut. I give him that. And he had a good hefty jog on the way out, looking good, strutting his way back. Dan is a as a, a known, you know, mental warrior as well as you know, teaching the the Worthen slider. The guy just understands the mental approach to baseball. And I don't know if you guys know, well, yeah, you're both really intelligent baseball minds. Uh, A lot of my stuff doesn't make great data. Like you look at what I'm capable of doing in my career and it doesn't look great on paper, but there's something that I brought to the table that, that isn't quantifiable. And Worthen's the type of guy that understood that. And so for him to come out and feel comfortable being able to just you know, throw a curveball at me mentally and understand that I'm just going to laugh it off. Some guys would just be like, what the hell are you doing on my mound? Get out of here. And then it would rattle him. But he, he understood. He just like, Hey, I got to show this off. I look great right now. I got to get on TV. This is, this is about me. Uh, this is my moment. So I'm going to leave and I'm going to strut my way back to the dugout. So I respect the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> was he also wearing a hat though? Like he, does he just want to show off the bottom I'm half pretty of the sure haircut? He did. I don't have a hat around me, but he did the whole like, Oh, oh it took you it know off. what I mean? Yeah. Like I got, I'm so sweaty right now that I just had yeah. a great haircut. He pulled it back. He did the whole thing and it, it was good. It was good. So do, do what you got to do sometimes. That's big I need to know stuff. If- 
Yeah, it is big league stuff. I need to know if he'd still be like daring enough to do that now that there are limited mound visits. Like, how much does that haircut really mean to you at this point? He one hundred percent he would go back out. First of all, have you have you guys ever seen a game where they're like, oh shit, they only have one mound no. visit left? No. <laughs> right. It's not. It's not even a thing. It's another. They're like, hey, we only have. I guess it limited more of the the position players coming over and be like, hey, you know, do this. Mm-hmm. It, they they yeah. they eliminated that, which is you know good for me, but. No, the pitching coach is never, you never run out of mound visits. I've never seen it, never seen it come close. That would be uh, yeah, real malpractice by the coaching staff <laughs> if you ran out of a mound visit. So when you get yeah, sick. That's true. You're doing something wrong. Um, okay, we're on to our third question. Uh, the toughest at bat anyone ever gave you. One single at bat, the hardest out you had to get, longest, hardest, whatever it was, however you want to take it. Toughest at bat anyone ever gave you. Gosh, there's there's a couple. So. It's like a, I'll probably think about it a little bit more than when we get back. So the two biggest, hardest outs I've ever gotten were always Ichiro. And then in my later parts of my career is Freddie Freeman. But I always had a hard time at Turner Field just in general. Like I would pitch really well, but the results would never be good. Um, I remember facing Justin Upton in the bottom of the ninth. And I like... Uh, right before him, it was Evan Gaddis. I had like a nine pitch at bat, 10 pitch at bat where I bounced like three curveballs that he fouled off. And then he ended up like breaking his bat on a bloop single. And then I, right after that, Justin Upton's up and he does like something similar. Like I get up O2, he battles to 2 2. It's like eight more pitches of just like barely foul on a ball off and then I jam him and he bloops it over, you know, Wilmer Flores is slow trotting, you know, into center field. He's a hero. I actually did a good job, yeah. but it's a loss. I think that was the single most back to back, probably that Justin Upton like battle because I was mentally worn out from, from Gaddis before it's like 2 million degrees with 6,000% humidity and, and Oh, in Atlanta that day. Just a, overall, and then I have to like walk off the mound feeling terrible, and you know, letting my teammates down at the same time. It was that I'll probably think about it a little bit more, uh, but right now, those are the those are the outs that stand out to me. I love that you remember like Flores moving a little slow over. You're oh, like thinking, so I wish I slow. I wish I had Lindor <laughs> over at short, and we could have moved Wilmer over to second or third at that point. <laughs> Wil- Wilmer Flores, great player. I love him. Funny. Great guy. He is the slowest person that looks like you should be a fast person. You look at Wilmer, he's like tall, lean, well-built, looks like he should run fast. And he's always like the, on the bottom five slowest guys on any team he plays for. Yeah. Quicksand. <laughs> Quicksand. <laughs> I think him and Buster Posey in, in San Francisco are battling it out right now. Buster's raking this year, though. I'm talking oh, about he's, blast he's from back. The past. He took yeah, that. Back. He took COVID off, and he 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 reminded everybody why he's a former MVP, one of the one of the greatest catchers of all time. Impressive. Um. All right. So we've we've you've you've gone through the first three innings. You breeze through the first three innings a little bit. Now you know we got that second, third time through the order. It might get a <laughs> might start to get a little tougher here. <laughs> I might bring in a reliever here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. So. I, you obviously spent quite a few years in the in the minor leagues. Um, this is a we we talk a lot on this podcast about um, the, the plight of minor leaguers. As uh, as as many of our listeners and followers know, you were you were happy. You, we were happy to see you representing with a uh, with a little tipping pitches uh, t shirt action. Which was uh, that was that was dope to see, and all of our listeners, you can you can find a link to that in the uh, in the description. Um, but I think that we were both kind of curious if there were um, what what that personal experience was like for you, and if there are any misconceptions about the minor league the minor leagues, either positive or negative, um, that that fans might have. You know, we talk in a lot of generalizations about the minor leagues. Like, we talk about it as, like, you got to struggle and make your way to the top. And, like, you know, obviously there's been a lot more conversation recently, which is great, about, like, the wages and everything like that. But I I think that Alex and I are also both very curious to hear how the minor leagues affect individuals on an individual level. Because each person kind of handles their situation and gets dealt a different hand. So, you know, for you personally, we don't have major leaguers on very often who've had this experience. What, What was that like for you? 
So I'll give you kind of two different scenarios. So the number one is minor league baseball is amazing. So my family, so proud of me getting to the big leagues. They came to as many games as they could. We had a wonderful time, but my family loved coming to minor league games the most. That was the most family friendly. So like if you come to a major league baseball game, it's about the product on the field. You're about, you're, you've, you come there, you get entertained by baseball you come to a minor league game for the most part, it's about entertaining the fans, you know, whether it's bringing in, you know, the superstars or, you know, any, any, it's about a dollar hot dog, all that stuff. It's about the fan experience. And so it's different. It's cheaper. Um, So my family loved coming to minor league games and it was just as fun to see me play there. And they're just as proud of those moments as they were of me getting to the big leagues. Um, That being said, I, I had to get a job every off season. Like I couldn't be a professional baseball player because I couldn't afford it. So my first contract was for $850 a month. And I, and you're only working for six months, you know? And so my stepdad at the time owned a concrete business. And so my off seasons weren't built around me working out and throwing I didn't, I couldn't afford to have a facility to work at. So I literally threw into a tarp in my, my parents' garage living in my parents. And then I would work concrete flat work. So I get up at, you know, five 30 in the morning and then go wheelbarrow 200 pounds of concrete into a basement and make sure that works. And so I had to do that to supplement my income because when I would go to baseball, I couldn't pay for the food. I couldn't pay for housing. You know, we would be, you know, 10 people deep in a three bedroom place in Peoria, Illinois, because we couldn't afford to live on our own. That's a college town, beautiful town. I enjoyed it, but you can't afford to live like that. And so, you know, you can't eat really well. You know, when you get to the big leagues, it's easy. When I got put on the 40 man, when I got called up to the big leagues in 07, it was the first time that off season. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can concentrate on, what it means to try to make my dream come true in baseball, as opposed to like, how am I going to get my next meal or how am I going to pay for, you know, the next season because we make nothing. You literally lose money in the minor leagues because you end up having to buy your own food, pay for your own rent. Um, So once you get put on the, on, uh, on the 40 man and you're making union money, you, you can actually afford to live. And so that was, that was the biggest difference for me. I loved every minute of it, but I'm, you know, 20 years old, 19, 20, 21. I have, I have the ability to do that. One of my good friends in, in 05 is in minor low A ball with me. He had a baby and a wife at home and, and we're really good friends and he's super successful doing what he's doing now. And I, once I had a kid, I talked to him. I'm like, how did you live? How did your wife handle you being away and dipping into your savings that you you don't have you know what i mean like how did you manage and it because it's impossible and so it is really difficult to be a minor leaguer i think it's on its way up especially with you guys you know highlighting it like your t-shirt got gets traction you know it's it's something moving forward i think the game's progressing in the right way you know i think the ncaa ruling coming out you know today is a big deal i think you're moving towards labor friendly practices and and it's important and so minor league baseball is nothing different how would you compare sort of the awareness by guys who are in the minor leagues now to when you were in and out do you feel like do you feel like players think about these things more actively these days or do you think that it's just become a culture of being able to talk about it more easily it's 100 percent a culture thing um most people when you would speak up you're like oh shut up you get to play a baseball game you get to play baseball you should just be happy with being able to play the game still. And that's, that's a fair argument because people don't understand what it really takes to, to do that on that level. Um, I think people realize and get a peek more at what the lifestyle is like. And, and there's a lot more people that understand what it's like. There's a lot less, you know, behind the curtains, you know, behind closed doors stuff that goes on. And, and with social media um, just advancements, people are, people are, see things that's everything's more visible i think so it's just an era people are people are getting a view of what really what life is really like um well you mentioned you mentioned the union once you got put on the 40 man once you started getting 
um, those union protections. Uh, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago, whenever when Alex referenced uh, you, you tweeting out the picture of our shirt. Very kindly, we're very thankful of that. That was amazing. Um, you, you described yourself as a union guy till you die. Um, and I'd love to hear the story of how you came to feel that way about unions, how you came to feel that way about baseball unions, but more unions in general, because it seems like you have sort of like a, a broader appreciation for the labor movement for unions in this country. So it kind of started just in, in life in general. You know, my mom grew up like I, my mom basically raised my brother and I by herself, you know, two jobs, you know, working her butt off. And she, she had been fired for circumstances that were out of her control or they made something up or she got hurt on the job and they let her go. And there was nobody there to protect her. You know, she got hurt on the job. If there were a union there, I'd be like, look, you know, you guys caused this injury. She can't lose her job because she's supporting a family um, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I, when, when I got called up to Oakland, it was player rep. It was kind of thrown upon me. It was like, uh, you're a new guy. We don't want to do this. You're now the player rep. And I'm like, cool. I enjoy that. So I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll take control. And I just started to get educated. The, the union is a, is a wonderful thing. They, that's the number one thing is they educate players about the things that they've fought for in the past. You know, it went from, you know, meal money on the road to what's called seven and seven, which is when you get called up, you get seven days meal money and you get seven days in a team hotel on home games because you came from a different city. You don't have a place to live. And in a place like New York, you know, it's four, three, four hundred dollars a night staying in the hotel if you're going to be anywhere close to the ballpark and then you got a $150 cab ride depending on where you are. So you literally have seven days to figure it out. Well, teams used to not tell people that this is what you get. You know, they're going to hold on to as much money as they can unless, unless they're being enforced to do so. And so it started out as like, hey, when you come up, your union rep on the team would be like, hey, you know, these are the things that are required of you. These are the things that are fought for in our CBA. If you're not getting them, let me know. Because most guys that get called up don't have the, the, the standing to feel okay about saying, Hey, where's my meal money? You know, I can't, I haven't eaten. They don't feel like, Hey, you know, uh, teams used to say, Oh, what are you crying about? You're in the big leagues. Or you want me to call somebody else up? And they would, they would hold it over guys. And so the union rep would step in and, and, and take the brunt of that. Like, Hey, he's one of us. Like you can't treat him like that. And so they used to divide and conquer. And the union was just there to, to like, Hey, we've all fought for this. We've, you know, from Kurt flood, Marvin Miller, all these, all this history of the game building up. These aren't things that you have to ask for. These are things that are your right. And that was the main thing for me is to be like, Hey, I'm a human being. I'm a worker. I've earned these things. I don't have to feel bad about receiving them. I don't, I need hotel room. I could foot the bill, but it's going to hurt, you know, and when instead you're required by employment to, to provide that for me. And so just that's how it came about. And I've, I've been a member and, and a, and a supporter and a follower of the union ever since. And I've, I've tried every place I've been every year. I've been to get more guys involved and it's, it's grown. And, and with, technology and apps and, and open communication and zoom meetings like we're on now, guys are more and more informed about what's going on. So it's been a, it's been a great evolution. And I think, you know, just from you guys talking about the minor leagues and trying to unionize the minors, people get a look at major league baseball players from a different picture too. Whereas, you know, in the 94 strike and in strikes in the past, we were villainized. Players were villainized because you should be proud. You make millions of dollars. What are you crying about? Well, you know, there's, there's rights and, and people are understanding that like the money's not just going back to the people it's billionaires versus players, you know? And so it's guys trying to fight for what they're worth. And, and I think people realize that unions are a good thing and, and it's progressing forward. I'm, I'm a proud member union guy till I die. 
I love we absolutely that. Love it. Yeah, we, I, we need to figure out a way to just cut that uh, audio clip and put that on a t-shirt. I think that would, <laughs> I think that would, we'd sell quite a few of those. Yeah, I tend to get long-winded. Maybe if you chopped it up, that'd be better. <laughs> Do you, we, when we, I guess last year we had Colin McHugh on, um, who was the you know player rep for his team, and and he was talking another a lot about union kind of guy those until he dies. another union guy exactly, and he was talking a lot about those technological kind of advances, right? And what is um, the, the information that is afforded to players, right? Just ha- handing them like a cliff notes of the CBA and saying, "Here are your rights." Do you do you get the sense that players are engaging with that more now? As you said, going clubhouse to clubhouse and trying to rope more and more players in is that environment kind of becoming more conducive to that sort of uh, engagement? Yeah, it, it lets guys. So it used to be. You're either like uh, involved in the in the union, or you're just playing baseball, and that's fine. Like playing baseball is really freaking hard to do. Yeah, it, uh, dividing your attention and and trying to be involved in the union and negotiations is it takes a lot. And so, if you just want to play baseball, I have nothing. I have no problem with you just wanting to go because it it's hard enough. I will. I will be one of those guys that takes that on for you because I care. It's important, but the more it's allowing more guys to be more involved. So there's now tiers of guys. You don't all have to be all in or all out. You can know what's going on and be informed without always having to do your input. And so you can put trust in guys that are actually been, been around and been involved from day one, really putting forth the effort and the, and the time. And then you can also be informed without having to dedicate all your time away from the field into it. And so it's it's allowed guys to be involved without having to dedicate 100% of their time off the field. And, and it's been a, a great environment. And it's very encouraging because more and more guys, especially the younger, baseball's getting younger, but so is the union. Guys are starting to understand at an earlier age how important it is. And I think that's, that's the key is to getting that next, next generation of players involved. Yeah. I think we saw, you know, over the last couple of years for sure, but definitely last um, off season, as we were kind of negotiating how to come back to play, you saw a lot more guys trotting out, you know, lines in conjunction with other guys about the value of their labor as it pertains to coming back and, you know, getting the revenue for this season. And I just think that like, you know, as two guys, me and Alex, who talk about this stuff week in and week out, it's really cool to observe that stuff from as a third party and um, to to feel kind of inspired by that stuff. So I I am glad that we are sort of in this information era that you are alluding to, and that guys can kind of get on the same page about stuff like this, so that another 1994 can't happen. Um, you know, you mentioned negotiations. We could probably spend the next 90 minutes talking about next December. Um, I'd love to hear kind of like your read on it as we are approaching the halfway point of the season before a CBA expires. Because uh, Alex and I talked about it last week, kind of whether our stance on how negotiations are going to go has changed at all during this season. Um, but as someone who has been so heavily involved for so long, um, I'd love to kind of hear as much of your perspective as you're willing or able to share on that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to dive in too deep on on specifics, but the the gist is like you get players involved and they have this belief and thought process. And then you see, you get a peek behind the curtain. You get to see kind of the, what a, you know, a seven, eight, nine, $10 billion industry looks like. And you get, you it's a business. And sometimes it's really ugly and it's not all about the good of the game on occasion, you know, and, and for both sides, um, definitely more one-sided. And I think you'll understand where I come from and which side I think has a little bit more integrity, but I think for the most part, um, it's just, there's a lot of bad blood and I don't think the players believe that the, the, the commissioner's office is doing things for the good of the game anymore. I think it's all about what how, their bottom line and it's, worrisome and I worry about I worry about baseball because I truly love baseball. I love my brotherhood and my union. Uh, not even my union anymore. I'm not even a member, but I love what it represents. But ultimately I am a fan of the game of baseball. And for that I worry about baseball. Ultimately I think it'll 
come out just fine, but I do think it'll get ugly and, and I hope it doesn't. Um, there's a lot of time left. We have some brilliant minds on both sides. I, I really do believe that. And I think, you know, Chris Young is, who's now the, the GM of the Texas Rangers, um, former teammate or former, former player. And I, I was in camp with him in, in Washington amazingly smart human being worked for the commissioner's office. Now they have Raul Abanez and, and Rajay Davis. They have uh, Nick Hunley. They have some guys in there. Kingery Jr. works for the commissioner's office. I don't know in what full capacity, but they're, they're starting to incorporate some baseball minds in there. I think, I hope moving forward, it's less combative and less like all or nothing. And you were either winning or we're losing because it's, it's not a zero sum game. It's about, the game of baseball. And I hope moving forward, people recognize that I'm a, I'm an optimist at heart. I think positively for most things. And I think baseball will come out because the game is important to a lot of people. And if it's important to your, to your bottom line, the game must be played. So, you know, moving forward, I think it's, I think it's going to be positive. Uh, It's a little bit scary, but I think we're, we're, we're going to be fine. That's wonderful insight. I love, I love that you point out that it's not a zero-sum game because I think that we can get trapped in talking about it as a binary like that, but a sustainable and an equitable version of baseball in all workplaces is better for both sides. So That's, that's I, it. You know, a happy labor is, is happy management. You put a better product out there. Uh, I think MLB understands that. Uh, I know the players understand that and everybody has a job to do, but ultimately it is about the game of baseball moving forward. Today's episode of Tipping Pitches is brought to you by Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman, which means that podcasters of all sizes, including our size, can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. It's really as easy as it sounds. You scroll a list of potential sponsors. You choose which one you like the best. You send them a pitch and they hire you. Their whole mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control over monetization opportunities. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. You you mentioned that kind of acrimonious relationship that has, it seems like, worsened a little bit over the last few years as there are more of these fights that are kind of litigated um, in public. And we would be remiss if we had a pitcher on to not talk about the thing that everyone is talking about in baseball right now, which is foreign substances, which Bobby and I have already talked about ad nauseum and decided that we're sick of talking about. Um, but I I know that in in some other venues you have voiced your concern with how um, with how it was litigated, with how MLB went about with their enforcement. And so I'd love to hear your take on on how you think Major League Baseball might have better um, kind of laid down the law in this in this situation. And if it does tie into the, the, the labor battle at all in the coming months ahead. Um, yeah, wave, so wave your that, magic wand, Jerry. How yeah. would you fix the so foreign that's, substances that's a, that's situation? A, that's a multi-tiered thing. First of all. A very loaded question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was perfect. So first of all, I want to preface this by saying that uh, the foreign substances isn't going to be a major deal in the long run. The, it's, we're still in the era of the pitcher. This the talent level in baseball is so lopsided towards pitchers right now that they're going to be dominant for years to come, probably the next few years. It's just training and the technology makes it so much easier to get better at pitching than it is at hitting. Pitching, you can see it now. You can you can see yourself getting better from pitch to pitch or getting worse and, and making adjustments. Hitting right now is still philosophical. Like there's a blend between, you know, you have great bat speed, but you know, you're not doing this, your angle, all that stuff is still kind of 
an idea and haven't turned to like, this is exactly what makes you better. Whereas pitcher right, pitching right now is like, yeah, this, you want to do this. You, this is how you get better. I don't think it's ultimately like that. I, I you know, as a guy that, like, like I said earlier, I think data says one thing and then there's a huge chunk of the game. That's, that's about learning how to pitch and, and reading a hitter, all that. But the foreign substances got out of hand because baseball players are human beings and this is what happens. This is, you know, as a union, they're not going to start punishing their own guys. So this is where major league baseball has to step in and be big brother and say, guys, cut the shit out. Like it's embarrassing. Like you should know better, but of course they haven't yet. They're just waiting. And uh, Trevor may said something the other day that I really appreciated. And I resonated with is MLB just like waited and waited and waited And then they love throwing the players out to be these villains and it's their fault. But the truth is that they knew about it, the baseball for a long time, that the baseball is super slippery at the major league level, especially in certain elements. Like coming up in Oakland, you play a night game in Oakland in 50 degree weather, the wind's blowing and off the, off the, the bay, the ball feels ridiculous. Like you can't, I've never felt anything like it my whole life until I got there. And I'm like, I have no idea how to throw anything with this baseball. It's completely new to me. And so you learn ways to adapt to it. And when the league doesn't change it, you figure it out. And so you use sunscreen and rosin and then guys took advantage of it and they should have been pushed down. I hated it. I hated seeing it. I'm not going to rat guys out. I'm not going to, it's nothing. You're not doing steroids. You're not changing a, you know, a 220 hitter in single aid. And he's all of a sudden he's going to hit 50 home, 51 home runs in Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that guy. Uh, you're, it's not that big a deal, but it does. It's cheating. You're you're using a foreign substance to make yourself better. So I'm glad to see it stamped out. It's about time. But this is this is a a, a microcosm of what negotiations are like. It's there's nothing in good faith. There's no like let's get rid of this. Let's see how to do it together. Let's move forward. We have an aired product in the baseball. You guys are using something. Let's let's move forward and try to figure it out. It's just like you guys are terrible. We're stopping right now. It's over and you guys are terrible for cheating. So, that's that that's how I feel about it. It's really not a big story. It is, but it's not. Like it's not going to change the game. This is it gets eliminated. Nobody's going to give a shit in a couple of years and and we'll all look back on it and be like, why was this a big deal? Yeah. I love what you point out about, um, about how like hitting, teaching hitting is still an art while teaching pitching <laughs> is a science. It's just like, you're flying open a little too early. All right. That's it. <laughs> so that's stay, it. Yeah. Stay yeah. inside you're like, the oh, ball. You're, yeah. You're, you didn't get your foot down and you know, you're, you're, you're left your hand. It's so it's crazy. Like I think pitching is a lot more philosophical than people are are teaching right now because it's so easy to look at spin and 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 you know spin axis and and you spin efficiency and velocity and think that translates. Um, but you'll see the product we have on the field is guys that don't know how to pitch yet, and you get you know fifteen guys cycling into the bullpen that have great stuff, but they don't know what to do with it, and you lose a game because a guy throws an O two breaking ball down the middle. But it had great spin on it, but he ended up down the middle. I just didn't know how to, you know, bury a guy or a guy set him up to throw something. So I can get into that a little bit deeper, but I, I'm gonna I'll be remiss to to let you guys move on to the next question. Well, we've hammered you with some of the harder questions that we have here on our list. So we'll we'll pepper back to some of the uh the easier ones. Um number seven here. We're up to number seven. I want to know who the best player you ever played on the same team with was. Like, what player in what season do you think was at the most peak of the performance that you ever played with? That is a that is a wonderful wonderful question. Um, it was really difficult until 2018 when I played with Jacob Degrom. Like, I played with him in 15, 16, and 17, but in 18 he really took a step forward. That was like. And you're seeing it now continue. The guy is just on a different planet. I really, I I tried to emphasize it as much as I can that like, if you can go watch Jacob deGrom play baseball, he is truly, you're something that you're going to be like, you're going to tell your grandkids like, Hey, I got to watch this guy throw live. I got to see it. You know, guys talk about seeing Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays, um, Wayne Gretzky. He's really that good. 
you know, before, you know, I got to play with Mike Piazza a little bit in Oakland and, and Frank Thomas at the end of their careers, uh, I saw some really good ball players. I saw, um, you know, Josh Reddick come into it. Joanna Cespedes in his prime, who, which is Joanna's, you know, New York, as you know, Bobby feels you're, there's a, there's a, a yin and yang to, to how they feel about, yo, I love the man. He's special. He was, he would do something like awe inspiring almost on a daily basis, whether it was hitting or, or, or fielding throwing the guy was, he's, he's an, a hell of a baseball player. You know, I played with Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna, you know, in 19 Acuna's Acuna's you're seeing, and I think he's still underrated, you know. Um, Is there a guy that you would compare him to throughout baseball history? Acuna? Acuna? Yeah. I think Acuna's a Mike Trout right now. I think he's a more exciting as far as the 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 showmanship, but I really think that he I, he reminds me of, of Mike Trout when I was in Oakland and Trout came up. He's a presence in their lineup that, that very early, uh, they're like, this guy does not beat you. Um, he will not be you. And so in, in Atlanta's lineup, he's surrounded by really good hitters. He's got Freddie Freeman. And when I was there, Josh Donaldson around him, um, Ozzie Albies might be the most underrated player too, right? But right behind him. And, and whereas Mike Trout could be pitched around Acuna, you you almost have to pitch to him in Atlanta. And so I really think Trout is a, is a good comparison to him because he can run. He's a, a solid outfielder. Um, and he's exciting, and then he's a hell of a player. But to me, Degrom is head and shoulders above all of them. I love that you're Quite a man literally after- too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a I'm man taller after than my him. Don't let him, don't let him fool you. I got him. <laughs> I got him by like a half inch, maybe a full inch. But but he's uh, light years ahead of me in baseball. <laughs> Well, he uh, he hasn't come on tipping pitches yet, so you have him. You have him in that department. Good good luck on getting him to do anything as Absolutely far as that. He not. is a he is a <laughs> solitary human, and it's a shame. It's not a shame. I love it. I love baseball for that factor. There's no pressure for him to be a superstar. It would be great for the game if he was, but he doesn't have to be. He is a, a really funny, insightful person, and uh, I wish he would do it more. But I'm also happy for him because that that you know whatever it, whatever you want to do, you don't have to do anything. I, I'm proud of the game and allowing people to be who they are. And if they don't want to be in in the spotlight, they don't have to be. Um, but Jake is a really good person and really funny, and he showcases it sometimes. Now he's a little bit easier in front of the camera, but as as when it comes to strictly on the field, there's there's nobody that can touch him. Absolute cold-blooded killer on the field. Cold but then you blooded. see you see Super him on the other four days, though. You see him on the other four days, and he's, like, cracking a couple of jokes. So it almost makes it a little bit more, like, exclusive that you Dude. got to hear some of that stuff, you know? If you, if you, I'm sure you've gone to City Field quite a bit. Like, watch that guy shag BP. Like, he'll, like, I remember watching him and Mats in Syndergaard. Like, him and Mats would literally, they'd start jogging off the field after BP, and then they'd sprint. Like, it'd be a race. Like, the... I, I want to ask you two. Here's here's my hot button questions. When's the last time you ran for an extended period of time as fast as you could, like li- literally? I want to hear Alex's answer first. And it was probably freshman year college when I played like club baseball. Like that, honestly, was was it? Or like our softball team, Bobby, that you and I played for. Yeah. And I I got but to like seventy percent, of time maybe tough. like yeah. a like a hundred, maybe a fifty yards, like as fast as you could for fifty yards. Yeah, hmm. it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm not a. Well, I played in you know I played in like some intramural basketball leagues, and that that would be like fifty yards in total, back and forth, up and down, up and down. So probably like. <laughs> Definitely before COVID, Jerry. Definitely you're, before you're, COVID. <laughs> you're, you're ahead of most people. I love asking people this question. I just think it's so funny because probably the last five years of my career, I only did that on the field. Like I would do my sprint work and stuff, but I'm like going like 80% max like in conditioning because I know, A, I don't need it. And B, I don't want to hurt myself. Like I yeah, don't want to pull pop a hammy for sprint work. Conditioning. Yeah. You know, I'll sprint to first base or I'll cover home or back up a base if need be. But like DeGrom is a special competitor. That son of a gun, him and Matt's and, and Noah, 
sprinting around the outfield. These guys are like running over each other and like trying to catch the ball over top of each other. It's hilarious. Like the guy is as a Uber competitor and really good at everything he's ever done in his whole life from golf and hitting like the guy's just a freak human being. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just happy to have been a teammate of his and I'm, I'm proud of him for who he is. He's got a great family and, and kids and uh, I love that he's a New York Met because the fans appreciate him, even though he's he's a quiet person in front of the camera. They they like his personality, and you see it on the field a little bit. And so it comes out in pieces. Okay, best or worst roommate that you had <laughs> uh, uh, coming up? This can be a guy who was like a stellar chef. <laughs> Or maybe the dude who just always left all of the lights on and you're like, we already make like 200 bucks a week. Like, <laughs> come on. What are we made of here? For context, well, uh, Alex gonna... and I lived together for three full years. So, you yeah. know, we know each other's roommate tendencies. So we can give each other's best and, wor- best and worst roommate tendencies afterwards if that will make you feel better, Jerry. So I'm not going to call any single person out, but I will put a generalization. So any roommate that is that dips like as a tobacco you know mm. the they leave their like spit bottles everywhere and when you're like 20 or 18 or 19 you know high school kid they're open you know they dip they spit in the the red solo cups and just leave it that starts to stink so any teammate any roommate that is like that dips and is not married at the same time is the worst roommate because you just like I'm going around like this is disgusting and you're like picking up after them. So any anybody that that does that kind of tobacco is is probably the worst roommate. Is there a guy that you played with at the major league level who you think would have made a great roommate had you played together at the minor league levels? Yeah. So one of my good friends, so him and him and I, Ross Detweiler is with the Marlins now like amazing, like career path. The guy is a first rounder with the nationals ended up playing an independent ball for a year, you know, plus or minus. And then has like found himself again with the technology really like learned what made him the best version of him. And he's excelled, you know, uh, him and I get along great. We have, um, like very good personalities that kind of push off of each other. He's like, we're just enough different and just enough uh, similar that where we, you know, we get along and we can push each other and, and make fun of each other and, and our wives get along great. And we have kids about the same age. So it, it worked out great. Uh, but him and I would have been wonderful roommates because we would have eaten great food because he was a first rounder. So he could have afforded it. <laughs> and, uh, I would have been like, Hey man, I'll pay you back in like three years when I make it to the big leagues. Yeah, and, sure. uh, we would have had a great time off the field. We're both, he's from St. Louis. So we would have played, um, uh, a lot of cornhole. I don't know if you guys know, <laughs> yes. I think uh, bags, but corn, by the way, the worst name for any game ever. Not cornhole, great. but it's yeah, one of the most fun that. games. We should have workshopped that one before it got so popular that <laughs> now it's like mm-hmm. too late. I agree. Yeah. So the 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 COVID cornhole tournaments on ESPN were like unbelievable. Must watch TV for me. Well, that's a real flashback for when Alex and I were living together because you know we would tune into ESPN two when nothing else was on before because we're in the East Coast. You know the games have not started yet for the evening. We turn into ESPN two and watch a little cornhole and. Alex and I were skeptical. We're like, why are they putting this on? Kind of like started out as a joke. We're like, we're watching cornhole. Like an hour later, we're like, we're fucking watching cornhole. Yeah. You know, on the edge of our seats, standing up. Feels it. And they're like, (laughs) they're like shit talking each other too. Like it's, it's kind of a crazy world out there. I dig Uh, it. I love everything, but the jerseys that they put on themselves. They need like better uniforms. They, they like the, the terrible bowling, like, under armor hold lights. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's tough yeah, it's to look at. Between uh, that and darts, I think uh like ESPN two is amazing. You ever watch darts on ESPN? Yes. A similar a feeling. Bit, yeah. The yeah. announcers are like a 180. Like I just <laughs> enjoy hearing it. The guys are ridiculous. Bar games are fun. Alex, yeah. uh, what's my worst roommate tendency? Oh God, wow. Put, really put me on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> Bury um, him, Alex. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I don't know. Whenever I go to bed before you, I just always hear you out there playing MLB the show, yeah. and like you're kind of vocal. Yeah, I will I, say. 
I'm, uh, I'm easily didn't irritable. Have a sleep machine, but you are pretty easily irritable when it comes to uh, video games. Yeah, that's pretty good. But but whom, whom among us, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, that's not so bad. How about how about how about reverse? What's Alex's worst tendency? Hmm. That's uh. Alex doesn't have a ton of like offensive qualities when you're living with him. So he was a pretty great roommate. <laughs> like, no, like he doesn't, does he do, he does the dishes, takes the trash out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We wow, had, a, we had a good, you know, constitution. We had a good relationship that we could say, Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you do that for me? That's how we ended up with the podcast together. Are you, are uh, you slightly afraid of him? Is that why you're holding back? No, I would say that probably your worst quality as a as a roommate is that we would just end up in like these long conversations that would sometimes turn into arguments that would prevent us both from sleeping. So like as a roommate, that made it harder for us. But as friends, that makes it good. That's why we have a podcast. I, I well, can yes, relate was... to I can relate to Alex on that. I, I've many a time I get into like a deep, you know, deep philosophy conversation with guys they're like dude just go to i want to go to sleep i'm like but we're just getting into it but the, <laughs> we're gonna figure out the meaning of life right yeah. you know and so i yeah i i get that so i've had plenty was, of roommates go dude go to bed i'm done i'll talk yeah, to you later this is quite literally the genesis of this podcast was like instead of doing this every night what if we just designate two hours every week and we <laughs> bang it out and then like we don't even have to talk the rest of the time yeah, that's exactly. fine you know i love it that's a great concept i get that's that's how you find out your passion what you what you're enjoying doing that's perfect yeah. precisely so so speaking of uh you know baseball players that you could roommate or good roommates um, if in order to have a good roommate relationship, you got to kind of have similar interests in pop culture, you know, similar movie taste. I'm curious, Jerry, you're a big movie guy. Uh, our ninth and final question here is what is the movie that is most, most universally beloved by baseball players in your experience? It doesn't have to be a baseball movie, though it could, yeah. be, but just one movie that everybody can kind of agree on. Hey, that movie's good. So, so we're really divided into, into two cultures in baseball. So. You've got the English-speaking, American-born, Canadian-born, and then you have the Latin culture. And the movies are difficult to combine on. So those are like two different fields. But as far as I can speak for the English-speaking, the American guys, it's any like, you know, I, I spoke, we, were, we go back to the foreign substances, and I spoke to about Bubba Harkins for, you know, uh, a few times because he got fired unceremoniously for him, but like, you know, as, as a scapegoat, but in the visiting clubhouse in, in Anaheim, every day game, he would have, when you'd walk in, he would have dumb and dumber playing. And it's not my favorite movie. It's not even my favorite Jim Carrey movie, but it's universally loved by a generation of humans, especially dumb athletes like myself who have that kind of sense of humor that just like fart jokes and stupid stuff like that. And so, I mean, I think dumb and dumber might be it, but again, that's showing my age because a lot of guys like, like I root, like I played with Acuna. I, I tried talking to him about pop culture stuff and he's looking at me like, I, I don't even, are those, is that where, I don't know those words that are you're you saying to that me in English right yet. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> so I don't know, but I would, I'd have to say, it's got to be a like a like a Billy Madison or or Dumb yeah. and Dumber. I think Dumb and Dumber might be it. My guess was going to be something like that, like Step Brothers, like something that is like <sighs> real a comedy Brothers. that can make anybody laugh, no matter what room you're it's in. It's like a you know you go back to the rewatchable, something that can just be on in the background of the clubhouse on like the five six TVs where you're walking by and you just look up at it and just be like. And then you'll watch it for 15 minutes because a funny scene comes on. That's that's usually what's what's going on. They don't, they don't really play movies anymore. That's it's like a loop of the the starting pitcher for that day for the most part, or the menu <laughs> coming up because there's you know so much concentration on it. So guys, a lot of guys are like watching their own stuff on their phone and laughing yeah. with the headphones on. So it, it, there's a little bit more divided attention when it comes to that. But but I'd say one of those big comedies from like the 90s. I imagine streaming culture changed the whole like watching nature of uh, of Major League Baseball clubhouses. It, it, it changed it changed my life, like my my whole minor league career. Like any bit of where whatever city I would go to, like Clinton, Iowa, Yakima, Washington, I'd go to like Blockbuster, and I'd have like twenty five bucks for meal money or fifty bucks for meal money for the fifteen day road trip we're on, and I'd spend twenty five on it uh, for the five for twenty or five for twenty five DVDs. 
and I'd watch some weird, obscure movies and, and enjoy that. We put them on, on the, on the long bus rides, the 15 hour bus rides and then streaming. Now everybody has a Netflix account or their uncle's Netflix account and you can watch whatever you want. So there's a lot more like divided attention and a and lot less camaraderie in today's game from, you know, playing Fortnite and, and, and uh, black ops and, and all that to, to just streaming. It just divides it up a little bit more. Alex, anything else that we missed? That was all of our nine. We've exhausted all nine. Our, that was the complete quote, game. Quote unquote nine. That was that was a complete game that uh, had a few like <laughs> a few uh, swinging f- swinging third strikes where the runner reached. How, first, how so many pitches kind of did I throw in that CG? <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a solid like one ten. You didn't quite Maddox it, but that's okay. I was I was gonna say that's up to like my high school days. I'm throwing like 154 pitches. I get I like I said I get a little long winded. So you guys kept me reined in. I appreciate it. <laughs> You came out. You came out. You talked to me on the mound uh, when we said I needed we were to having be calm. Showed off the haircuts. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a pleasure, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on. We really my, appreciate it. My pleasure. It. I, honestly, anytime. You guys do great work. Apart from the podcast, I, I appreciate your 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 content that you guys put out there. I think your message is wonderful. So, anytime that you you want me to come on, got a lot of free time these days. So, uh, hit me up. Thank you so much, Jerry. This was great. I appreciate it. Career opportunity, the one I never knock. Every job they offer used to keep you out the dock. Career opportunity, the one I never knock. Okay, thank you so much, Jerry Brothers. That was a blast, Alex. Yes, it absolutely was a blast. This has been this has been a long time coming. One of those guys who I feel like we we bantered about very early on of being like, who would we want to get on? Jerry Blevins, right? Sure, sure. We're, we're checking one, off. All, we're checking off all of the union guys till they die. You know, we got Doolittle, we got McHugh, we got Blevins. There's a couple more that we need to get on, but we're working our way through them. Thanks to Jerry. Uh, what a fun, what a fun conversation. If you are a former Major League Baseball player who wants to come on Tipping Pitches and talk about the union, here's the thing: Zoom's always open. Yes, that's right. And if you want to look as good as Jerry Blevins did does in his his weekly shirt wearing of a uh, seal bases not wages or get yourself a little unionize the minor shirt tiny.cc slash nationalize you as a listener of the podcast can get 15% off with the code a rod that's right a rod I can't believe we just left that as the promo code like maybe we should update that one or no you think we should just leave it forever I think we just leave it forever. I like until we get big enough where people start guessing it, you know, and just start mashing in random ones. Yeah. Like we're yeah. never gonna have a, a Memorial Day sale. Yeah. Like we should do a May Day sale. That'd be good. Well, hindsight, it's twenty twenty. Promo code no billionaires. Um, yes. <laughs> promo code stocks. Uh, deep cuts only. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tipping Pitches. Uh, if you want to reach out to us. It is tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. You can follow us, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. Or you can also call into our voicemail line, which we did not have time to respond to this week. 785-422-5881. Call in, complain about your owner. Talk about the union. Whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do, we are here for you. That's all I got this weekend, Alex. Any other uh, words of wisdom for the people? Go watch Wander Franco. Those are my, those are my words of wisdom. Great if you call. know, you know. Great call. Go watch Wander Franco. As Jerry said, go watch Jacob DeGrom in person. And as I said, go to Petco Park. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Because I'm fist to spread. I work from sun up to sundown and miss the day. You've been saying for months that you're going to fix my pain while the hours of my life get pissed away. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya.